No one doubts that AI will change the way we live, but the rise of ChatGPT and the other fast advancing systems has been accompanied these past months by a sharp increase in anxiety. It's the ability of AI systems to teach themselves or to grow in ways we don't fully understand yet that has the researchers predicting a large-scale catastrophe. That makes it the business of the United Nations Security Council. And today, for the first time, they began the dialogue about its potential impact on global peace and security. The UK, which holds the rotating presidency of the Council, said the challenge is to mitigate the risk AI presents through coordinated action, while making sure we all benefit from the tremendous things it could deliver. Let's speak to our North America correspondent, Nomia Iqbal, who is watching that session. So what has the Foreign Secretary James Cleverly been saying, Nomia? Yeah, so Christian, this was a big deal for the UK, for the Foreign Secretary, James Cleverley. The UK really wants to show that it can compete with the global giants in what is the most hyped up area of tech, that it can be a leader geographically and intellectually when it comes to artificial intelligence. So, you know, you mentioned there they are holding the rotation of the presidency this month. And so they wasted no time putting on this, uh, uh, this Security Council meeting. And I spoke to the Foreign Secretary, Mr. Cleverly, uh, just before the meeting started. And I, I started off by asking him, what was the point of this meeting? What was he hoping to achieve with it? Well, AI is having and will have an amplifying effect, an accelerating effect on all the things that we currently use technology for. And that can be used for good, for medical research, for research on climate change, on analyzing big data sets but there are also potential malign uses of AI. So what we are saying today at the UN Security Council is that we need to work internationally to understand the risks, to look to mitigate those risks, and also to put some structures and regulations in place. That can only be done internationally. That's why we're discussing Give this. Give me an example UN. of what you think is malign. Well, the use of AI, for example, to develop weapons, um, and just as AI can be used to develop uh, drugs that could perhaps solve uh, some of the disease challenges of the world, it could potentially be used to create bioweapons. So that's the kind of thing that we need to do, harvest the positives and protect ourselves internationally from some Are of the Are there any countries that you're particularly concerned about in terms of their development of AI? Well, I think one of the things we have to understand is that it, uh, it, it wouldn't just be uh, state actors that could potentially uh, use AI for uh, negative or malign uh, purposes. So uh, it is about thinking about uh, how we develop it, what we release publicly, what is uh, more tightly held. Now, I don't pretend to have all the answers. No one does. But working together, we can analyze some of the challenges and look carefully at what we do, as I say, to protect ourselves internationally whilst also harvesting I mean, the you've benefits. got countries like China, haven't you, that are behind the US and ahead of the UK. Does that concern you? Well, we have uh, one of the people that we brief in the UN Security Council today uh, is a, a Chinese technologist. We also have a British technologist there. It is in everybody's interest, everybody's interest, every nation and every person's interest to get this right and better that we get it right together than in silos or isolated from each other. That's why the UN Security Council, I think, is a really good starting point. The UK is hosting an AI safety summit later on uh, this year, and we will play our part working with the international community to harvest the benefits whilst protecting ourselves. 
So that was the UK Foreign Secretary James Cleverley chairing that meeting. And Christian, it was one of those meetings where there were was a lot of talking, there were a lot of statements, no concrete goals were achieved at the end of it. But the UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, was in that meeting and he did say that he, his vision is for the UN to create this sort of, a sort of governing body to, to govern uh, artificial intelligence and the way it does uh, when it comes, the way it has bodies to govern the use of uh, nuclear weapons, uh, you know, aviation energy and meet the, the challenges of climate change as well. Um, he, he talked, James Cleverly, there about this Chinese technologist that was in the room giving evidence, but what does the Chinese camp think about this generally? There was some tension there because uh, China is, uh, you know, leading sort of second just behind America in terms of advancement of artificial intelligence. And a spokesperson for China said uh, that if there are going to be these UN bodies or rules, that it should reflect the views of developing countries and it shouldn't be uh, these, uh, the Western nations that, uh, that decide how artificial intelligence, uh, you know, is, is governed, that, that other countries should be able to establish their own regulations. There is some tension between China and America. Of course, there always is. Uh, there are some reports that the, the U.S. is looking to limit the flow of powerful artificial intelligence chips. And uh, there was also, um, you know, the U.S. in the meeting, they didn't, di they didn't directly sort of uh, address China's concerns, but they did make a... A, a dig at China, accusing China of using technology to uh, to monitor ethnic minorities. Naomi, thank you for that. Uh, joining me from San Francisco, California, is Anthony Aguirre. He is the uh, executive director of the Future of Life Institute. Uh, he's one of these people that knows everything there is to know about this issue. Um, uh, let's talk about what was proposed today. The UN says it, it would like to form a governing body. What would the that look like in your opinion? What would it be tasked with doing? Well, I think there are a lot of models that people have proposed for bodies like this. This is still very early days. I think the crucial thing is that we we have a body that can address some of the sort of urgent and, and profound risks that this these advanced AI systems are starting to pose. Um, these are broad and extreme, and I think we're really at uh, a new stage as we were at the beginning of the nuclear era, where we have to change the way that we do things internationally and have new bodies that can uh, that can have the sort of safety of humanity as a whole uh, first. I asked ChatGPT today what risks it presents to humanity, and it came up with uh, a list, a fairly exhaustive list, actually. Let me put them on screen for you. So it says there are cybersecurity vulnerabilities, there's the weaponization of AI, there's misinformation and disinformation, data privacy and mass surveillance, bias and discrimination, which would be the unfair targeting of specific populations, the unemployment it could create, which of course leads to social unrest, and finally, the AI arms race that Nomia talked about. That is a lot to get your head round, and it is developing so quickly. Do you subscribe to the, the theory that perhaps we're already too late to put a governing body around all those issues? I don't think we're too late, but I think we have to act quickly. And I do think, uh, you know, I was one of the initiators behind an, an effort to pause AI. We, we had a large open letter. Uh, I think we do need to slow down and take a little break from the breakneck and competitive speed of development so that we can allow the 
uh, governance and the regulation and the creation of new institutions to catch up. So I think we need to act fast and slow down uh, the race, you know, to get these super powerful AI systems. Um, just reflect for me, if you would, on the, the view of some within the Chinese camp that um, if there is a governing body, it needs to reflect the, the, the wishes and the the demands of developing nations. You're sitting there in San Francisco, and it is true that in, in the social media space, it's, it's America that has commanded, it's America that has led the way to the exclusion of other countries around the world sometimes. Well, I think there are, there are lots of different arenas that AI is going to play in. Uh, they're going to, it's going to be incorporated in many parts of our economy, and different countries are going to have different ways that they want to regulate and sort of govern how AI plays out in their countries and in their societies. I, I think there are issues that transcend individual sort of countries and, and governments, uh, which are the ones that, you know, threaten humanity as a whole. So this, you know, in the same way that the U.S. and the Soviet Union came together during the Cold War to make agreements about nuclear weapons, I think countries are going to have to come together at this very high level and make agreements about the most powerful AI systems and how we're going to keep them safe and under control. But at the moment, China is, is lagging behind America in the development of artificial intelligence. You can see a scenario, though, where they, they might catch up and they might see this as the shortcut to not only... Um, an economic advantage, but also to China becoming the most powerful nation on the earth. If they were to go their own way and not subscribe to a rules-based system, would that undermine the rest of the club? Well, I think one of the reasons we, we need to get together and coordinate internationally is that the alternative is this sort of pernicious race that somehow by racing to these ever more powerful systems, delegating more to them, uh, giving more capability and more decision-making to systems where we don't really understand how they work, that we're somehow going to win. And I think this is just getting into a race like that is a race that, that people are not going to win. You know, the human race is not going to win. The AI is going to win that race uh, at all of our expense. Just on, on security and defence, which was part of the discussion today, there are concerns that uh, AI could be used to set false targets or to put satellites off targeting, uh, and that we might in the future have to think of very different ways to how we approach defence. Is it incumbent then on NATO and the Western allies, and maybe we've learned some lessons during the war in Ukraine, to, to find their own solutions to some of these problems? Um, well, I think, you know, countries are going to have different, their own decisions and how to incorporate AI in various things, parts of what they do. Uh, one of the things we've been concerned about is incorporation of AI into command and control systems. This is There's a big push for this. Uh, and, and one of the things we really want to be careful not to do is over-delegate and definitely not, you know, this seems sort of obvious, but definitely not incorporate AI into nuclear command and control systems. Uh, this just seems like a terrible idea. Uh, our organization actually put out a short film today kind of illustrating the risk of over-delegating AI, including a nuclear command and control. I think we could all agree this is a, a bad idea and that we should keep certain high-stakes decisions really in human hands. Uh, so I'm hoping that some of the low-hanging fruit for international agreements can be things like we're not going to incorporate AI and nuclear weapons. We are going to keep human hands on certain things like uh, the decision to take lives and, and to... Uh, you know, make large decisions in command and control. I think there's low-hanging fruit where we can all agree uh, just in, in sort of base levels of sanity and how we use AI. That's where I would start. 
Anthony Aguirre, very interesting non-proliferation of AI within nuclear, uh, a discussion, no doubt, uh, for the future. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, around the world and here in the UK, you're watching BBC News.